Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Hello everyone, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Thank you for joining us. It's the Accidental Wednesday podcast. Don't worry, I'll explain everything. No, this wasn't a trick. No, I wasn't playing a prank. I wish I were, though. I can't do that to you. I can't play a trick on you. I can't lead you down the garden path like that. Come on. It's not in my makeup. Uh, Tonight's recommended drink, a nice room temperature Cabernet Sauvignon. Tonight's recommended snack, ladies and gentlemen, a jar of olives. Skull! Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this, a Wednesday edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. I am Boogie Bumper, your host, hopefully for the next couple of hours or so. We'll see how we go. Um, yeah, accidental show. I, I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. Let me out. So, yeah, I was supposed to have an appointment. There was an appointment. And then I was informed not that long ago that there will be no appointment it wasn't from me it wasn't from my side so i just want to put out an announcement to the appointment makers who walk amongst us who pretend to be one of us here in the human realm i know that you you're probably not familiar with humans and the way that they organize their lives or you know, that there's only 24 hours a day. I'm sure on your home planet that, you know, those rules are kind of different. But here in the human realm, uh, when we make appointments, we we keep them. We try to keep them. Um, We don't like to wait, you know, just a few hours before said appointment, before then saying, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be able to make that appointment because I'm not even in the city. I'm pretty sure you could have known earlier, but... So a big, a big smack, a big wave of the finger to the appointment makers who do not follow through on their appointments. Fuck the lot of you. You are all going to burn in hell. This is, this is not Hawaii. This is not Fiji. This is not Vanuatu. There is no island time here. You make an appointment, you keep it, goddammit. So I didn't have an appointment and, you know, I found out and I thought, well, okay, I've already announced that I'm not doing a show, so I'll just, I'll sleep in. I don't get to sleep in very often. So I'm like, you know what? I'll sleep in. But as is so often the case, um, (laughs) your body gets used to shitty sleeping patterns. So of course I went to bed thinking, that's all right. I'll just sleep through, sleep through the show. Not a care. I'll get like a nice five or six hour chunk of sleep for a change. No. (laughs) Body woke up, same time. Bang. Hello. Great. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm awake and I don't want to be. I'm at home when I don't want to be because I'm supposed to be at this appointment. I may as well do a show. Fuck it. So as you can tell, this is going to be great. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. It's a daily boogie podcast. If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. Or if, And of course, 
If you would like to tell me that you missed today's show because you didn't think there was going to be a show, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. If you'd like to leave a tip, by all means, head over to dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper or streamlabs.com slash Boogie Bumper. I really didn't do any new prep. So the stuff that I've got, well, actually, I I lie. I lie. I do have a couple of items. We are going to check in with the official Daily Boogie candidate for president in 2020, John McAfee. He's been on Twitter this morning. He's been tweeting stuff out this morning. He tweeted out a video this morning. I think this needs to get out. I think this needs to go viral. You know, because I've got dreams. I've got big dreams. I've got big fucking dreams. <laughs> and they they all involve they all involve a shirtless John McAfee doing cocaine off a stripper's tit. That's that's that, those are my dreams. What are your dreams? As president of the United States, that's what I want to see. Remember, remember when everyone cared uh, if the current president had sex with a porn star? Remember when everyone cared that a former president, uh, you know, got a blowjob in the Oval Office? I want to make all of that go away. And the only way to make that go away is by electing John McAfee. <laughs> so we will check in with him. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, don't share today's show out. Absolutely do not share today's show out. This is going to be one that you don't want to share. Um, I am going to touch on coronavirus as well, by the way. I have a little, th- a couple of things that we didn't get to yesterday that I think we should just clear out of the file. And uh, a video that somebody else sent me, uh, you you know him as that despicable libtard that everyone seems to hate so much, uh, Lucifer Sam. He sent me this clip, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you it. It's, it's pretty good. I don't know who made it. I don't know the guy who made it, but it's pretty good. So pretty chill here on a Wednesday evening. Thank you so much for joining us. How should we start this? How should we kick this off? Um, Tell you what. Let's start with something completely random, shall we? Just to embrace the randomness of tonight's show. Because there wasn't supposed to be a show. Let's start with... let's, Let's act as though there isn't a show. Let's start with this. Many times on this program, ladies and gentlemen, we have spoken about why love is so important. You look around the rest of the world and you just see hate everywhere. People are hating. And I hate hate. I love love. I hate hate. So I will always endorse love on this program. And it's not, and you know, it can be any kind of love. I'm not even that picky when it comes to love. I'll take whatever's going. Whatever kind of love you, you're willing to offer up, whether it be intense, passionate, meaningful, or at the other end of the spectrum, anonymous, shallow, degrading. I don't care. I'll take any kind of love you got. Bring it. I can't get enough. And of course, you know, in a world that's fueled by hatred, ladies and gentlemen, when people are so divided and everyone wants to hate one another, the only cure is love. So we promote love on this program. Came across this video earlier in the week and another opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, for us to embrace what really matters. For us to put love up on a pedestal, to celebrate love. Even the extreme kinds. Let's have a look. In Oceanside, California. Oceanside. Living in a van means that this couple can find fun wherever their four wheels and big shoes take them. 
That's right, Josh, known as Lock Jester. And Christina, known as Miss Candy. Huh? <laughs> I gotta tell ya, I'm liking where this is going. <laughs> Live full time as clowns. We live and embrace the clown lifestyle. The clown lifestyle, man. We like totally. <laughs> it's it's just, it's just fucking. I know I know I'm not in America. I know I'm a foreigner. But when I like when you think of different places in the states, different kinds of archetypes come to mind, right? So when I think of New York, I think of like Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. You know what I mean? Come on, Henry, you got to help me out here. What the fuck is going on over there? I'm sorry. That's just the first thing that comes to mind. But when I think of California, the first thing that comes to mind is this man, this guy. And maybe a little more gnarly with his language. Yeah, dude, fucking check it out, man. Fuck yeah, bro. Fucking gnarly ways, man. Like, I just like to hang out, smoke fucking pot all day. You know what I'm fucking saying, man? Fuck yeah, bro. (laughs) That kind of vacuous... You know, we embrace the clown lifestyle, man. Like every everything is like they're exploring a plane of existence. It's it's also spiritual. Dressing up as a clown is now a spiritual endeavor. It's my life's work. It's a mission. I'm committed to this shit. Yo, dude, like we just totally fucking embrace like the clown lifestyle, man. We gotta live like clowns. Clowns for life, Rat Hunter in the chat. <laughs> Little lunchbox is gonna be pissed, says Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Somebody is stealing her shtick. You know, we just decided we made we made the call like ten years ago. Man, we saw all these motherfuckers walking around in suits, carrying briefcases. And man, goddamn, they look so depressed, bro. They look so fucking depressed, man. So me and my girl here, we just decided, you know, we're just gonna follow through. We're just gonna do it because you know what? It means so much to us, man. It's like it speaks to me, bro. It just speaks to me, like, you know what I mean? And it's like, I can't even live like these guys in these button-down jobs, man. I've just got to experience life for myself, so that's why I'm living like a clown, man. I'm going to be like a full-time clown. It's going to be everything I want and more. Because that's like, I feel so, like, I don't believe in God, but I feel close to God when I'm dressed like this. You know what I mean? Like, I am God. God is me, and I am him. You know what I'm saying, bro? If I believed in God, that's the kind of shit that I would be saying right now. Fuck yeah, man. Like that that is California. Sorry, Californians. I know there's a lot of good Californians and people are always like, but no, that's not the California I live in. I'm sorry. That's the California that everybody else around the world thinks of. (laughs) I know it's not your fault, but you let these people be your spokesman. You let these guys... You let these guys tell the rest of the world what California is all about. It's not my fault. It's your fault. Yeah. You did this. You earned this, California. 24-7. 24-7. at home, and it's our lifestyle and our career. We live in a rough world. Clowning goes away from the misery and terror that is the world. Like, I can understand being a clown. Somebody has to be a clown. There always has to be clowns, right? There's jobs for clowns. Like, it's a job. I get it. But you know how they say, don't take your work home with you? These clowns said, no. They said, fuck no to that. We're going to take our home to work. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be clowns 24-7 and live in a van. If they if they were actually living as clowns, wouldn't there be like 18 people living in that van? And wouldn't the van be like a, a V-Dub Beetle instead of a van? <laughs> 
with a big with a big flower painted on the front. <laughs> if they were really living it, I'm starting to suspect that they're picking and choosing from the clown philosophy. I'm starting to suspect that they don't really mean it. There should be 16 other assholes living in that van, minimum. That we live in. It's where the whole they should eat nothing but candied apples. Whole costuming comes in, and we get to dress up and do your makeup all crazy and act goofy. And dressing up has a kinky attraction to. Hey, kinky attractions. Do it. We really enjoy clown sex. Clown sex. Woo! <laughs> Shit is hot. Henry St. George Tucker in the chat. It's everyone else's fault for giving them attention. So, huh, <laughs> you have bested me in combat, comrade. I'm afraid I cannot I cannot look away from this stuff. Huh? Who's into some hot clown sex? Slowly hands in the audience. Go up. Probably just from the guys. Slowly. <laughs> clown sex? Why, that sounds completely awful. I don't know why anybody would be interested in any kind of clown sex. I mean, what is wrong with people? I would never raise my hand to such an idea, such as clown sex. Definitely not. Why, I would never ever be interested in something like that. Clown sex? Who ever heard of such a thing? <laughs> yep, they have sex dressed as clowns. Of, of course they do. It's, it's not even that, it's not even bizarre, really. There's a whole bunch of people doing a, a lot more wackier shit. Like, this is one of the, the most tame things that I've seen. Clown sex involves at least makeup, right? If not some outfitting, maybe a nice bow around the or something to decorate. It's Put a bo nice bow around your cock, gentlemen. Next time. <laughs> You're in, some, in for some clown sex? Glamour, clownish, spunky, kind of kink. <laughs> Glory Warrior in the chat's asking, what is clown sex? <laughs> well, you know, you got to dress up. you got to put some makeup on. You've got to get your significant other to put a nice bow around his penis, and there you go. Then you're rocking clown sex. Ideally, when you have clown sex, every time you thrust, you want to hear the, um, the beep of, like, one of those novelty noses. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That would make it more clown sexy, I think, anyway. You know, if, I bend if you could have a ringleader there whipping your ass while you're going back and forward, that would be like the ultimate. Over, I got a little bit of ass cheek going. Maybe, maybe just candy, uh, maybe fairy floss all around. Maybe on a bed of fairy floss. Actually, if we're being honest, if we think about the real clown lifestyle, it's not really living in a a nice van like this. This van doesn't look a day over 10 years old. Real clown sex, I suspect, would be, um, you know, maybe behind a filthy carny stall at two in the morning after you've been drinking whiskey all day and smoking weed. Like, I think that's more, you know, the carny clown circusy lifestyle. Whilst you're trying to scrap together enough money to buy some, you know, ramen noodles or whatever you eat on the road because you don't have a lot of cash uh, in between servicing the truck that pulls the whole shebang down the highway and performing for small children, you know, at two o'clock in the morning when all of the little boys and girls have gone home. I think that's when clown sex takes place. 
you know, in filthy overalls. <laughs> and you'll buy, you'll buy your significant other uh, a nice bottle of cheap wine, you know, with the $5 that you stole from an unwitting parent who thought that they really did have a chance to win the prize if they shot the duck off the, off the ledge. But they didn't, obviously, because the game was rigged. So, you know, I think that's more like clown sex. Having found each other, Locke and Candy are now looking for ways to spice up their clown sex life. <laughs> when clown sex isn't enough. You know, you know, my wife and I have been, my girlfriend and I have been fucking for 10 years. And, you know, like we, you know, we enjoy ourselves, but we've gotten to know the usual routine. Guys, you know what I'm, guys, you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the routine, right? You know, it's like I come, I come home, I put on my makeup, I put the bow around my penis. Uh, she puts on her little clown hat. She wears a little clown outfit. It's like, it's just getting boring, man. It's just the same thing every time. You know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's it, we've gotten stuck in a rut, man. It's like clown sex just isn't doing us doing it for us anymore. We need we need to explore new options. We need to do something. We need to spice this shit up. Threesomes just make sense for both of us. Nice. Now we're ninety seconds into the video. We have a history of clown sex. Now we're into threesomes. <laughs> Bring the threesome. Who's the lucky third party? You know. I don't drive a car, I'm in a van. And wherever they go, these two can, always attract attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> is it like, honey, don't worry, I'll lure one of these black men into our into our van with my sick rhymes? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, honey. I will lure one of these one of these urban Romeos into our sack by through the art of song, through the art of lyrical poetry. It'll be like a mermaid on an island somewhere. The sailors just jump into the ocean. He won't have a choice. He'll just jump into our van and derobe. And then we'll put the makeup on him, then we'll put a bow around his penis, and next thing you know, it's happy town. Life. Threesomes just make sense for both of us, you know. I don't drive a car, I'm in a van. And wherever they the go, land, these two always attract attention. Spanning the land everywhere I can. Hello, we've got ourselves a buyer. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Andrew Jackson's Tate, the chat. Were they seducing three skinheads? <laughs> I think I think we've got a catch here. We've got a bite. We've got a nibble. Got a little nibble. Y'all look like some interesting people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't dated for a long time, but I've been led to believe that when you hear something like, y'all look like interesting people, that is essentially how the kids these days say, I want to bang the shit out of you. I think that's what it is. I think it's like street code, urban code, you know? Yeah, the kids are cool. Seen clowns on the streets? Not in Long Beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me your skill. What's good? Give me your skill. What's good? She wants it. Yeah, she definitely wants it. 
Locke and Candy are getting the feeling that they might have made a connection on their very first try. I fucking told you. <laughs> a strange woman was interested by my clothing, even though there is a TV camera on the street. I guess she wants to have sex. What are you guys doing? Um, we actually have reservations at this uh, Korean barbecue place uh, nearby. Are you free? You want to hang out with I'm us? Free. I love yeah. Korean barbecue. Okay, you cool. Come? Hey. Now we've got ourselves a posse. A little confused about why would you... I didn't know it was so easy. I didn't know it was so easy to pick up a third wheel. Okay, so I dress like a clown. I go out into a city urban area. I start rapping to random black men. And then at some point, very quickly, I assume, a young black woman will come up. She'll want to have sex with me, of course. Why wouldn't she? When I put on such a, a peacock-like display, showing my feathers, look at what I can do, check out my sick rhymes. I take it to Korean barbecue. Next thing you know. <coughs> want to paint your body in a way of a clown. We actually have a clown fetish. <laughs> Space Force Droid says, I fucked up all my life. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know the secret. You didn't know the recipe. So, <laughs> I'm actually a kink clown. Okay. Yes. Explain what that means. So I, I get turned... Can you explain what that means, honey? Nothing sexy, uh, sexier, I find, than a potential threesome partner, uh, you know, sucking the fat out of, out of uh, lightly shaven shards of beef that have been cooked Korean barbecue style. Turned on by clowning. I will get really... So tell me about this clown thing. You're doing for sex and shit? Like the fat dribbling down her chin. Gets me going. I'm a meat eater, so it makes sense. Rat Hunter, thank you for the diamond, sir. Really sexually stimulated, even just from body painting. When there's a paintbrush that's like lightly going over your body, you can totally get aroused. You know, you're touching people in sensitive areas. I mean, it sounds interesting. I'm open-minded. Mm. Oh yeah, this is happening. This is absolutely happening. I'm no expert when it comes to picking up signals, but this woman is sending a, a Mount Vesuvius level of smoke signals up into the uh, atmosphere. She's sending a plume of smoke. This is a mushroom cloud of a, of a signal that this woman is sending out. I'm open to anything. I'll give anything a shot. She's even eating Korean barbecue, ladies and gentlemen. She approached people on the street who are dressed like clowns. She's asking about kink clown sex, and she's like, oh, well, I'm willing to do it, whatever it takes. We have definitely got ourselves a third. I'm so happy for this couple. They, they went out, they set a goal for themselves, and they achieved it. We want to have a threesome with a random stranger that we find on the street, and they did it. Well done. Dreams can come true. Hmm, okay. So are you seeing anybody right at the moment? Candy has put it all out on the table, and it's been a night of surprises for Ali. Will she run with it or just run away?
Extreme love. Ah, no! No! We need to know what happens. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Press one in the chat if you think uh, the, the lovely young lady that they met on the street ended up going back and having kinky clown sex. Press two in the chat if you think that she just ate her free Korean barbecue and then went home to spend the rest of the night on the toilet. One or two in the chat. You decide. <laughs> Amber Leader in the chat. Boogie, don't kid yourself. This wasn't random. Don't you ruin this for me, Amber. <laughs> don't you dare ruin this for me, young lady. <laughs> Don't you don't you dare poo-poo the threesome clown sex story. <laughs> Things like this happen all the time. Right? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> it's it's about 50-50 in the chat. Tune in next week, says Nick Redmond. It better be up next week, because I'm gonna be checking in. I need to know how this plays out. I think I think the twos just have it. Really? Don't you wouldn't you be obliged to have a threesome with two strangers if they bought you Korean barbecue? Isn't that the rule? There's actually a really big, um, it's a pretty famous big Korean barbecue place in Sydney. I might have to do this. I might just stand out the front of the Korean barbecue and wait for couples. And I'll just say to them, hey. Would you like me to buy you your Korean barbecue tonight? This place is fucking huge, by the way. Huge. Takes up a whole block, basically. It's always filled to the brim. It's actually two buildings. The, the first restaurant got so busy that they bought the building next door and then connected them. That's how popular this place is. So I might just stand out the front of the Korean barbecue place in Sydney and just offer to buy people dinner. And then, of course, like they would oblige, they would be obliged at that point to have sex with me, wouldn't they? Surely, like that's the rule, right? So after we finish up our our desserts, you know, our fried ice cream or whatever the fuck they eat, hopefully it's not bad. After we finish up our desserts, I'm like, okay, so your place or mine? Where are we going? Where are we taking this party? Huh? It seems to work. <laughs> there you have it. I think the two's just got it. Oh, that, yes. Now, see, Henry St. George Tucker has changed his vote. He said two, but that, yes, they bought the Korean barbecue, so now it's a one, right? So I'm right, yeah? She's obliged now to fuck these people, I would think, anyway. Regardless of any attachment that she might have. Honey, don't get mad. They bought me dinner. What, what can I say? Wouldn't things be so much easier if they were these rules? If everybody knew the rules? If the rules were clearly stated? If somebody buys dinner for you, you are obliged to have sex with them. I can, I can live with that. You'll either get laid a lot or you'll save a lot of money. Either way, it's win-win. I don't see a problem with that at all. You know, if I was running the planet, that would be one of the first things I'd do. Speaking of running the planet, should we check in? Should we check in? Hashtag McAfee2020, ladies and gentlemen. Let's check in with our man who's been on a tear today on Twitter. He tweeted this out himself, this article that I'm going to show you. Oh, hang on. 
Ooh. Somebody didn't do their settings properly before they went live because they didn't know they were going to do a show because people don't like to keep appointments! Here we go. Much better. Much better indeed. So as you know, a couple of days ago, ladies and gentlemen, on the Monday night edition of the show, the Daily Boogie podcast, which is, as you know, because you're a listener, uh, is world-renowned, world-famous. It is unofficially the, the number one official podcast in the unofficial category. Unofficially. Uh, very popular. Millions and millions and millions and millions of potential listeners out there every single day. So we do our best. And with the weight of this credibility and this popularity behind us, we decided to put our lot in. We came out. We had to make a choice. People were coming up to me and saying, Boogs, you know, 2020 is a big election. I'm like, yeah, I know. And they're like, Boogs, what you say matters. What you say carries weight. You can influence people to do the right thing here. Think about how you're presenting yourself. Think about it, man. Don't just, don't, you know, don't go out there and trash politicians. People care what you have to say. So you need to be responsible about what you say. And I said, you know what? You're right. You're right. So I spent at least a good four and a half minutes thinking about it. And we endorsed on this program, ladies and gentlemen, John McAfee for 2020. In my opinion... In a world where nothing seems to make sense anymore, John McAfee is the only sensible option. It's destiny. As a virus is taking over planet Earth, who better than the man who invented the antivirus software to become leader of the free world? It is literally destiny. It would be a Bible story if he wasn't such a degenerate. Simple as that. So I, I had no option. We have to go with John McAfee. McAfee America great again, ladies and gentlemen. That's one hell that's one hell of a slogan, isn't it? McAfee America great again. He tweeted this article out himself uh, repeatedly. He's tweeted it out like four or five times today. It doesn't matter who the president is, says libertarian presidential candidate John McAfee. <laughs> doesn't matter who the president is, says the presidential candidate. See, how can you not love this man? He's not saying, you need to vote for me. He's not saying, I'm the guy who can save us. He's not saying, I'm the only option. He's saying, it doesn't matter who you vote for. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> so vote for me. <laughs> Antivirus pioneer and globe-trotting eccentric John McAfee placed third in the 2016 Libertarian Party presidential primaries. Now he's running again, this time from a secure, undisclosed location likely a boat outside the United States. So he's going to phone it in. <laughs> Every, the more I find out about this guy, the more I love him. <laughs> Ferex under. It took you the whole four and a half minutes to come to that sensible conclusion. I know. I, I'm a slow learner though, to be fair. I'm a slow <laughs> I had to assess all of the options. I know. It should have been a lot quicker. I'm with you. I'm ashamed of myself. <laughs> Now he's running again, this time from a secure, undisclosed location, likely a boat outside the United States, which he fled last January, allegedly to escape the IRS. 
Although that sounds like an ideal setting for a libertarian presidential campaign, McAfee doesn't think too much of his chances of being their nominee. Quote, It doesn't really matter to me either way. See, I want the guy who doesn't really want to be president. You know what I mean? I want the leader who doesn't want to be the leader. The reluctant hero, ladies and gentlemen. The the reluctant leader. (laughs) He doesn't even want the fucking job. He's running, though. (laughs) He's running. I need to take another sip. I don't know why. I keep buying this coffee-flavoured vape juice and it, it dries my mouth. I, I, it, it feels like I've been licking a camel's asshole all morning. My mouth is so dry. I don't know why I keep buying this shit. It's as dry as a wooden tit. So when you try to talk a lot on, on a microphone, when your mouth is constantly dry, get a lot of this. Get a lot of that lip smacky stuff. So then I need to drink more beer and then the show gets more loose. And as I drink more beer, I need more vape. It's a a vicious cycle. McAfee doesn't think too much of his chances of being their nominee. It doesn't really matter to me either way, he told me. Number one, I'm John McAfee. I can't be president. If anyone thinks I can, they need to move out of their mother's basement and see the world. (laughs) So... He's now insulting the the supporters that he has. I love this man. Neither can any libertarian candidate ever. Well, I spoke to mum about this. I went upstairs and I said, mum, Mr. McAfee saying that if I think he can be the president, that I need to move out of home and see the world. She said, don't be silly, young man. I know you're cool. You just believe in what you have to believe in. I said, thanks, mum. And I went back down to my basement. So that was easily fixed. More importantly, it doesn't matter who the president is, he continued. Do presidents have, uh, do presidents anymore have power? I insist they do not. Our system is like an automobile with a frozen steering wheel. It doesn't matter who's driving. Presidents lost power in 1960 when Dwight Eisenhower left office. He warned us that the CIA and the military industrial complex will take American freedom if we let them. Well, we let them. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen, 2020. McAfee, America, great again. McAfee emphatically leans closer to his webcam as he speaks, as if to confide uh, confide an impassioned plea, honed and rehearsed for maximal impact. Quote, We vote for people who spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars for a job that pays a few hundred thousand. It doesn't add up something's wrong. Do you realise our first president had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the office? See, this is another reason why John McAfee should be the president. He is a student of history, ladies and gentlemen. John McAfee understands the history of the job. Listen to this. Do you realise our first president had to be dragged kicking and screaming into the office? He was the general of the Continental fucking army. He slept in ditches. He was old. He wanted to sit by the Potomac and fish, and I hear the fishing was good back then. (laughs) Thomas Jefferson took him aside and said, George, who? Ben Franklin? All he does is chase women and drink wine. Me? I can't find my fucking glasses. Hancock? Yeah, he's got a pretty signature, but fuck me. He's had to change villages five times in ten years because he's fucked everybody in the village. (laughs) This is John McAfee. (laughs) 
Please, it's got to be you, George. And they shamed him. He hated it. He didn't want it. But God damn it, he did the job. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, is John McAfee the next George Washington? I tend to think yes. McAfee's comedic timing is perfect, yet he never gives even a hint of a wry smile or allows himself to laugh. That's because he's serious, you idiot! This is a very serious matter. This is important. We're talking about the future of the free fucking world here. Don't you get it? <laughs> and now we're idiotically voting people in who are paying. This is McAfee again. Who want to be the goddamn president. Who want to be responsible for the caretaking of our nation. Well, not fucking me. No one wants the caretaking of the nation. They want the power that comes with it. And that's how a salary of a few hundred thousand adds up to a hundred million. I asked him if he thought the current impeachment saga was the system's attempt to rein in presidential power. No, it's just a dog and pony show to entertain the masses and keep us from looking behind the curtain. That's all. Ladies and gentlemen, the future president, John McAfee. I am on uh, DLive, Nick Redman. DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. Uh, also on Periscope and also on Twitch. <laughs> ah, Gypsy. Thank you for the diamonds, Gypsy. Thank you for the diamonds, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamonds, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamonds from, Gypsy? This is John McAfee again, another quote. Who gives a flying fuck if Donald Trump is impeached or not? Because we know he won't be. We knew exactly to the very vote what would happen in the House. And we know exactly to the very vote what will happen in the Senate. You know the ending of the movie in advance, people. Uh, isn't he? He's good, isn't he? <laughs> McAfee becomes shamanistic, possessed of that kind of craziness that makes perfect sense. See, now the spectator agrees with me. What was the line? What was the campaign line that was invented on the Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen? On the Daily Boogie pod, uh, pod, podcast. The podcast. <laughs> this is a very fine podcast. On the Daily Boogie podcast, we invented the line... In a world that seems to make no sense, voting for John McAfee is the only sensible option. Now, Spectator USA, a publication with alleged credibility, whatever the fuck that is. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. <laughs> Thank you for this. Thank you for gifting the sub, Gypsy. Now they're saying the same thing. McAfee becomes shamanistic, possessed of that kind of craziness that makes perfect sense. You break my heart, children. You're lazy, asleep, lost in your social media and phones. And you don't see the horror of the darkness moving you back ever into the smaller corners of your cage. And you will eventually be slaves, but not on my fucking watch. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen. Future president, John fucking McAfee. <laughs> I'll read that quote again. This needs to be turned into this needs to be turned into a t-shirt or something. The future president, listen one more time. Quote, John McAfee, 2020. You break my heart, children. You're lazy, asleep, lost in your social media and phones. You don't see the horror of the darkness moving you back ever into the smaller corners of your cage, and you will eventually be slaves, but not on my fucking watch. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. He's coming to protect you. He's coming to save you. 
He doesn't even want to. Ladies and gentlemen, John McAfee. <laughs> so, like I said, he's been busy on Twitter. He put this out earlier on Twitter. Obviously, somebody was saying, uh, someone was pulling up an old quote that he made about Bitcoin maybe a couple of years ago. And so he replied with this. Yes, I said Bitcoin would hit a million, making it bigger than the GNP of all of North America, for Christ's sake, learn to multiply. I simultaneously said I fucked whales and invested in a company testing zombie intelligence. As a clue, 50% believe the whale thing. Wake up. (laughs) So you can tell that uh, the way that he's going to be able to handle the press is, again, something that we desperately need in modern politics. John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen. He then put out this short video speaking on the topic of gun control. As you know, yes, he's a reluctant hero. Kimmy in the chat, absolutely. He wants to install a firewall in our hearts, Henry St. George Tucker. (laughs) I mean, he's got something. He's got something going for him. As I said, the Daily Boogie podcast is proud to put its coveted endorsement behind this man, John McAfee. I don't know if I don't know if people would be interested in this or not. I'm actually talking to someone uh, who's involved in Libertarian Party politics. I'm trying to get. To, I'm trying to find out if they will live stream one of their debates at some point, because I will I will live stream their live stream. I know most people don't care about the Libertarian Party, and that's fine. It's probably not going to be the big game in town. But if you've ever watched highlights of previous Libertarian Party debates, they are a lot more fun than the usual ones. Like if you've never watched a Libertarian Party debate, just for entertainment value, you are missing out, man. They they go a lot harder. <laughs> they they're a lot more fun than the usual debate that you're used to. You know, the Democrat debate or the Republican debate. The Libertarian Party debates are off the fucking hook. They do not give a fuck. So if there's an opportunity to stream a Libertarian Party, you know, presidential candidate debate, we will do it on the Daily Boogie. And of course, in support of our candidate, John uh, John McAfee. So he put this out earlier, a message for people about gun control, uh, a public message from the McAfee 2020 campaign. So this is an official video, all right? I know it looks like he's just recorded it in some room with a phone or whatever. No, no, this is an official McAfee for President video. So let's have a look. John McAfee here with a public service announcement. Caring for weapons. Number one, (laughs) never dry fire a firearm. It will fuck up the system. If you can't remember, no dry firing. Would you dry fuck a tight asshole? No, 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 no. Those who have tried it will get my drift. <laughs> I, 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 I seriously, I, I'm, I am really like, this is genuine now. I am at a loss why people would not vote for this guy. <laughs> I have no idea why people are not lining up right now to be McAfee 2020 fucking volunteers. You can't argue with this logic. (laughs) 
fire. God, I want him to win so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Donald Trump supporters. Like, I get it. You're really, you're really, uh, you're really invested in Donald Trump. Donald Trump is going to save the country. He's going to save the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is he going to make references about dry firing a rifle with, is he going to compare that to dry fucking somebody in the ass? Come on. He's never going to do that. <laughs> he's never going to go there. Donald Trump may be a lot of things. But he's not going to be a pres. He's not going to be the kind of president who openly talks about anal sex in reference to gun care and gun maintenance. Unfortunately, and I want the guy who is. <laughs> Follow Q in the chat. Trump who? <laughs> he's already forgotten. <laughs> he's out. A firearm. It will fuck up the system if you can't remember. No dry firing. Would you dry fuck a tight asshole? No, 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 no. Those who have tried it will get my drift. Uh, number two. Trigger discipline. Ne Very important trigger discipline. Very important. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond, Ben K. Veritas. <laughs> ben K. Veritas is giving, he's actually giving the diamond to John McAfee. I will send it in. Ever. Actually, I'm not allowed to donate to a campaign, so I can't do it. I'll send it to some I'll send it to one of you in the States and you can send John McAfee the dollar. <laughs> Please. Touch the trigger. <laughs> so Cal Patriot. I'm on the fence now. <laughs> we're bringing people in. See what we're doing here, John. See, this is an important show, John. You're doing God's work. We are God's helpers. <laughs> We are bringing people in to the warm embrace of McAfee America Great Again. Until you're ready to shoot. Why? Well, it'll save you hours of embarrassing time at police stations explaining why you accidentally shot the postman. Uh <laughs> this I'll put the link to this Twitter video in the show notes after the show. But somebody on Twitter said something like, John, are you drunk? You're shaking a lot. I, I just love the way he, re he responds to people. He responded something like, I'm 74 years old. You'll be shaking too when you're fucking 74, you idiot. Like, it's just fucking zero tolerance. <laughs> zero tolerance for idiots. <laughs> if you've ever tried dry fucking a tight asshole, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> This will avoid hours at the police station when you accidentally shoot the mailman. Uh, when he was at the door on the 4th of July and a firecracker went off. Um, <laughs> number three, and very important, never point the barrel. It's called muzzle discipline. At muzzle anything. discipline. For example, looks like I'm pointing the barrel at you. No, no, no. It's a trick of photography. I'm pointing at the camera. And <laughs> no, no, no. It's a trick of photography. <laughs> Amberlina's like, I can't wait to get old so I can be an asshole. <laughs> the feds, Monica in the chat, the feds can give splinters, which is painful as well. Jump on in for McAfee. There's no one behind it. Um, There's no one behind it. Very, very important. Now, if someone actually is 
in real life pointing at you like this, take the fucking gun and smack the shit out of them because... I mean, he's educating. He's an educator. He's not only a leader, ladies and gentlemen, he's a reluctant leader. And he's not only a reluctant leader, he's an educator as well. He's teaching the kids. Listen to Uncle John, children. Uncle John McAfee is teaching you what to do if ever, if anybody ever points an AK-47 in your face. It's okay. You take the gun off them and you slap the shit out of them with it. It's that simple. You've just got to be brave. Just got to be brave. It's not like it's not like dry fucking a tight asshole, as John would say on the campaign trail. <laughs> life pointing at you like this. Take the fucking gun and smack the shit out of them because they shouldn't be doing it. This has been a public record, and thank you. You know what? Since we're on, since we're on John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen, let me see if I can dig some stuff up from 2016 when he ran last time. We need to go deeper here. Let's see what he's got. Okay, looking, looking. Okay, so here's John McAfee's opening statement from the first nationally televised libertarian debate ever, okay? John McAfee's opening statement. How old is this? Uh, so this is from 2016. So let's see John McAfee's... Remember uh, Gary Johnson? Remember that weak piece of shit Gary Johnson that ran in 2016 for the Libertarian Party? No more of that, thank you. <clears throat> no more of that. As just as a, a, you know, as an unattached, unemotional watcher of politics... As an interested party, I don't want any more of this guy. Gary Johnson? No. That's not libertarian to me. That's Gary Johnson does not scream freedom to me. He doesn't embrace freedom. He looks like a tied down, buttoned down, piece, soft cock. You know what I mean? He looks like somebody who's afraid to embrace freedom to the same level as a John McAfee, for example. So this is John McAfee's opening statement in the Libertarian debates in 2016. I haven't seen this. I don't know what he's going to say. Let's have a look. Mr. McAfee. Libertarianism is grounded in the concept of liberty. But what is liberty? Liberty means that our bodies and our minds belong to ourselves. Liberty is lost when governments decide what is right or wrong regarding what we may do with ourselves. Every law that is tried to restrict or limit personal freedoms and personal liberty has failed. Governments and countries have criminalized prostitution or homosexuality, legislated what ideas we may teach our children, have criminalized the consumption of alcohol or other drugs. And what is the result? Our war on drugs has not diminished the consumption of illegal drugs. It has merely filled our prisons with non-violent citizens and created the most power. Kimmy in the chat, yes, doesn't he? He has a great voice. Great voice. Powerful and brutal. That's the kind of voice that only comes after 40 years of chain smoking and doing copious amounts of cocaine. Drug cartel in the world. Prohibition did not reduce the consumption of alcohol. It created suffering. Through he, has, he has a voice like a villain in a movie, doesn't he? 
so cool and calm and collected. <clears throat> when they're saying outlandish things, but they never break that tone, you know? Well, you can keep looking for me, but I think that you need to focus on more important things right now. You see, the government has always written laws that strip people of their personal freedoms. That is exactly why I placed a bomb in every single hospital in North America. <laughs> if you can solve the riddle of personal liberty, tell me, Mr. President, have you ever tried to dry fuck an asshole? Well, I'm the asshole, and you ain't getting in. Punishment and gave rise to organized crime. And ideas, like evolution, may be offensive to some, but ideas have a life of their own and cannot be extinguished. Liberty, which is personal freedom. I'm going to be fair. I am finding it a little hard to follow. <laughs> okay, I get the personal liberty stuff. Evolution, okay, all right. All right. Okay, don't really know why that's shoehorned in there, but that, I, I'm liking it. I'm liking it. Cannot be restricted through laws. It can only be unjustly punished as it is expressed, giving rise to suffering throughout society. We're all libertarians on this stage, and you are libertarians here. I am hoping that this debate tonight will make clear the value of liberty in all things. The fact that liberty, its very existence, depends on privacy, and that it is the foundation of a sane and prosperous society. Mr. Peterson. McAfee, America, great again, ladies and gentlemen. Just a quick reminder, <clears throat> that is the same guy featured here. One, never dry fire a firearm. It will fuck up the system. If you can't remember, no dry firing. Would you dry fuck a tight asshole? No, 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 no. Those who have tried it will get my drift. Right. <laughs> And people had the audacity, people legitimately had the audacity to get in touch with me and ask me seriously why I would endorse John McAfee for 2020. They seriously had the audacity to ask. You can't put brains in statues, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately. You should be able to, but you can't. When was this? That was uh, 2016, the presidential, uh, the nomination for the Libertarian Party in the debate in 2016. All right. <clears throat> Let's have a look here. Where shall we go? Oh, you know what? Since we're since we're doing politics, Tracy and AK gets it. Wow, really? People were asking you why you endorse John McAfee. I'm like, I've, it speaks for itself, does it not? <laughs> a vote, original rare for the chat. A vote for McAfee is a vote for sanity. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm taking this all the way. I don't care. I am taking this all the way. I'm going down. If the, if the ship is to sink, then so be it. There are more important things in life. There are more important things in life than just going along with the crowd. Sometimes it takes a freedom fighter. Sometimes it takes a, a rebel. Sometimes it takes somebody to, willing to step out of line for the rest of us. God damn it. To make a difference. To make a change in the world. And I believe that man is John McAfee.
We all have a calling in life. <laughs> Since we're on politics, let's stay on politics. Um, guess who's back in the news, ladies and gentlemen? Guess who's back? Yay! 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 Trust me, if you weren't in favour of John McAfee before this, you will definitely be in favour of John McAfee after this. Hillary Clinton, ladies and gentlemen. She hasn't been locked up yet. Um, You'll be unsurprised to know. Not only has she not been locked up, but she's now she's now putting out little Hulu specials. She's now doing little documentaries. Cheryl, uh, Cheryl in Daytona says, good luck, Boogie. Thank you. Thank you. Yukon Camper, he has my vote. There you go. We are bringing people aboard the Titanic. Jennifer Briggs says, kill me now. Can we kill you after the election? John McAfee needs your support. <laughs> I don't even care. I don't care anymore. Fuck it. <laughs> so, Hillary Clinton, she <coughs> she's not in prison. She's making money doing Hulu document- uh, documentaries. She's doing Hulu specials. She's out gallivanting around. She's getting interviewed. She's getting painted up as the the nice lady, the, everybody's favourite grandma, which 50% of Democrats hated her guts in 2016. Arguably the most unpopular candidate in the last 40 years for any party. Hillary Clinton, ladies and gentlemen. But now, three years after that humiliating defeat by for Hillary Clinton, the rewriting of history has begun, right? See, the people who are in, you know, the media types who are in control of what people remember, what people look at, what people look up, what people talk about, the people who control the conversation, they are, they want to be, they're going to be very, very happy with themselves if a big section of the population only remember Donald Trump because of impeachment and only remember Hillary Clinton as the sweet old innocent uh, lady who was robbed by the Russians. That's, that's, the, that's the kind of history that they are trying to write now for when people look back years from now. Do you, do you follow me? That's why they, they pump this shit out. I've said it on this show before. Politicians are obsessed with legacy. It's, it's the only thing that they have is first power, but then legacy when they get to the end. They want to be remembered as doing something. They want to be remembered as someone who was important, somebody who changed something, something, something that they can pin to a wall and say, that was me, right? And I suspect that's a lot of what's driving this shit against Donald Trump is legacy. People want to be remembered as the guy who took down Trump or the girl or the woman who took down Trump, right? They're obsessed with it. You got to sell the books, you got to do the speaking tours, you got to be able to look people in the face after you're gone and say, what did you actually achieve? They've got to have something to say. So the reason that we're getting like all of this pro-Clinton stuff and all of the Donald Trump stuff, yes, there is immediate political reasons for it. I'm not saying there isn't. But think long term. There are a lot of people who write stories, who write copy, who write books, who do documentaries, who do news, right? There are a lot of people that would be really happy if in 30 years from now, when you had to remember the two individuals of the 2016 election, that Donald Trump would be remembered as the corrupt, impeached 
um, president who cheated and Hillary Clinton would be remembered as the progressive uh, sweet old lady who was robbed of her rightful position. That's what they want 30 years from now. That is exactly the kind of reality that they are trying to procure today in flooding the space with all of this shit and all of this nonsense. So Hillary does a Hulu. (laughs) Hillary does a Hulu. (laughs) Sounds like a Mr. Man book. Horton hears a who? Hillary does a Hulu. <laughs> let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's see what let's see what Nana Hillary is up to. Ready to vote on Tuesday. Oh. Oh. <laughs> this is one of those ones that I should have pre-watched. <laughs> Why sense it in the chat? I want John McAfee to dry fuck her politically, of course. Of course. This is one of those ones that I pretty sh- should have pre-watched. That voice just never... It never... You never really get used to it, do you? Especially when it comes charging out of the gates like that. That's ear rape. Let's listen to it again. <laughs> Ready to vote on Tuesday? In 2016, Hillary Clinton was on track to be America's first female president. But she but. lost, and since then, the Clinton brand hasn't been the same. Now. <laughs> since then, the Clinton brand hasn't been the same. These people cannot help themselves. They have to, they have to think in spin. <clears throat> See, a sane, rational person would say... Before the election, the Clinton brand wasn't that good, which is why she didn't win, right? She didn't win the election because her brand was dog shit. No, no, no. Remember, we're rewriting history. We need to invent a legacy for this person. She, uh, she, She was on track to be the first female president, but then she lost, and we don't go into any detail whatsoever. Ever since then, the Clinton brand hasn't been as shiny anymore. No, 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 no. It was before the election that the Clinton brand was awful. That's why she didn't fucking win, you idiot. Now, a new documentary series could be Clinton's chance for a reset. Oh, just what we need. Just what we need. A documentary series re-sculpting the image of Hillary Clinton. This has Hillary written all over it. This has Hillary from top to bottom written all over it. You know what we need? See, people said I was mad. And, you know, I just said never write off. Don't write off Hillary Clinton. Because people are like, she's she's done, she's over, she's finished. I'm like, don't write her off. And they're like, that's crazy, don't be ridiculous. And I'm like, hang on, why do you think that she has publicists um, why do you think that she has people following her around on planes to take pictures of her on a plane to get a quote? Why do you think that she's still doing the speaking tours? Why do you think that she's still giving interviews? Why do you think that she's still getting in front of a camera and saying stuff? Right? Because what normally happens is when you lose the election, you go you go away for a while. You might pop up years later, but you don't keep yourself in the news cycle. Hillary Clinton has kept herself in the news. And I suspect the only reason that she's kept herself in the news is because deep down she harbours some desire to do it, to try again, to run again. 
Why else would she do it? Why else would she be in the news every single week, giving quotes, giving commentary, getting asked questions, getting people take a picture, a picture getting printed in the paper? She wants people to talk about her. She wants people to still talk about her. And she's been successful over the last three years because people are still talking about her. It's exactly what she wanted. Because if they're not talking about you anymore, then they're not going to elect you, right? If they forget about you, then you lose your chance. So that's why I was like, don't write her off. <laughs> don't write her off. She may try again. Doesn't mean it's going to be successful or whatever. But any when people say that will never happen, I always go, mm, well, don't say never. It looks like she's still trying. So, you know. Otherwise, why would she be doing these speaking tours all the time? She obviously wants people to keep talking about her. She obviously wants to be in the news. Otherwise, she wouldn't be doing it. Trump Forever says she doesn't want to meet John McAfee in a dark corner. Maybe she does. Maybe she does. Maybe John, maybe John McAfee is exactly what she needs. Maybe she won't be so uptight after a night with John McAfee. You catching my drift? Maybe we could all use a little bit of John McAfee in our life, our private life. Some, somebody to treat us with complete disdain. Long, hard, deep and thorough. A night with John McAfee. What does she have to say and why now? I took a class and I saw Hillary sitting there. I saw and when I saw my little baby girl, Hillary, I just know it was true love at first, right? And he was watching me. She closed her law book. I said, if you're going to keep looking at me and I'm going to keep looking back, we ought to know each other's names. Nobody on planet Earth believes this story. I'm putting that out there. If you believe anything that comes out of these two individuals' mouths, you are a fucking sucker. You are a sucker. You just know, you just know that these two invented this story for this purpose. So we'll tell them that we met in law class and that you were looking at me and I wanted to know you and we should know each other's names and it was all very sweet and innocent. Nobody's buying this shit, are they? Honestly, nobody. <laughs> the, the college sweethearts, nobody's buying that. Come on. I actually feel a bit sorry for Bill Clinton. Here's why. I think Bill Clinton is legitimately just a drugged out frat party boy who liked to get laid, play saxophone, take drugs. I don't think that he's ever been the brains of this Clinton operation. I think it's always been her. I think she's always been like the, the puppet master behind the scenes, pulling the strings. I think Clinton is like, Bill is like just a legit horny sax playing drug nut. And like, the, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, yeah, being a president sounds pretty good, but you know, if that's going to help me get laid or not, uh, will I still be able to take, will I still be able to do cocaine? Is that going to be okay? <laughs> you know, I just want to chill out. I just want to relax. I just want to play some jazz with my friends. You know, I'm, I'm not here for anything serious, baby. I'm not here for anything too important. I just want to get laid and play the saxophone. You know, lady chicks dig music. Take, chicks dig musicians. That's why I took it up in the first place, Hillary. Right? It's just a, he's just a party boy. But uh, Hillary, to me, is always 
always presented as the the schemer, the planner, the thinker, right? She's always presented as the one who knows how to where to put people and how to put them. And Bill is just like the guy, hey, how you doing? What's happening? <laughs> he doesn't even really know if he's there or not. Like I said, he just wants to play jazz and smoke weed. But she's always she's always been the conniving one. I could be wrong, but that's just even back in the nineties, like back in the late nineties, early two thousands, I still thought the same. I was always like, I don't know about this chick, Bill. I I think a lot of, you know, you can if you're younger, you can go back and watch like you know YouTube clips of people talking about Bill Clinton and stuff. You can go back and read the material. Uh, I was a bit younger, but I was still you know politically minded. So I was like finishing high school in the year two thousand. So I was, but I was, we would, we would still have conversations about politics and stuff. And Bill Clinton was still like, it was a big topic all around the world. Right. So even back then, I remember thinking, I don't know, this guy doesn't strike me as like the evil chess player. You know, I think he is just a legit, like a pretty dopey party boy kind of mentality. But she was always the one who was like doing the interviews and giving the press conferences and, I'm standing by my man and she she always seemed to be the conniving one even back then. I I haven't seen anything since that suggests opposite suggests otherwise. I'm Hillary Rodham, who are you? That's a clip from Hillary, a new doc series premiering at the Sundance Festival where Clinton not only had And just like that, uh the Sundance Film Festival which, you know, I used to be a really big fan of because uh you know, independent for the Cannes Film Festival as well. Independent filmmaking, I think, is a an art form that people need to support. Um, and just like that, the Sundance Film Festival lost all all credibility <laughs> by showing the the Hillary movie. I'd I'd rather watch I'd rather watch three lesbians speaking only Spanish with no subtitles talking about uh, how they want to shit in each other's mouths at the film festival. And I will, I will stand up and clap and say, this is art. I love this. This is an artistic motif. So I'd rather see that than this. Handed over reams of video, but get... Come on now. It's very emotional, clearly giving up on the stoic image she'd cultivated for so long. Husband Bill, well, he does his bit too. It wasn't like I thought, how can I think about the most stupid thing I could possibly do and do it? I didn't want anything to do with him. But the part that's... <sighs> See, Bill's got the self-deprecating thing as well. You know, it's not like I sat up there and thought that, you know, I'm going to say the most stupid thing possible. It's not like I ever thought of doing that. I ain't never going to do that. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, poor sweet Bill. Poor sweet Bill, right? Slick Willie. Well, he's just a smooth talking. He's just a smooth talking southerner. And it, like, if you look at that election that he won against uh, George Bush Senior, uh, they they weren't dumb. They weren't dumb. There was a reason that they they chose Bill Clinton to go against George Bush Senior, right? There was a reason. He's a southerner with that accent, but also a Democrat, right? Like George Bush represented, uh, you know, the CIA, right? He was, even though he's, even though George Bush is like technically from Texas, people didn't think of Texas. 
but with Bill Clinton because he's got that accent. He's just just a sweet old man, you know. You know, I, I'm just trying to do the right thing. I believe in America. I believe in Americans. You know, I think you know these things are wrong. What George W. Bush is doing and George Senior is doing these wrong things. You know, it's just like it was so disarming. Whereas George Bush Senior was like so cold and programmed, you know, like very robotic kind of personality compared to Bill Clinton. So even back then they were like, who who can beat George Bush? I know. We'll get the lovable Southern Democrat. How about that? And and then the rest, the history writes itself after that. Thought everyone talking? Clinton bashes Bernie Sanders in the film, claiming nobody likes him, nobody wants to work with him, he got nothing done. Secretary Clinton, as you know, said that uh, as a senator, you got nothing. <laughs> I I'm amazed, like. People say, oh, the Democrats are screwing Bernie Sanders. I'm like, of course. Why wouldn't they? They hate Bernie Sanders. Like the DNC establishment, Bernie Sanders is only a Democrat once every four years. The rest of the time, he's an independent. You know, people say, oh, Bernie Sanders and the Democrat Party. No, no, no. He hates the Democrat Party and they hate him. That's why after he loses this election again, like this nomination, which he probably will, they'll probably screw him out of this one as well, just like they did in 2016. The next day, he'll go back to being an independent from Vermont again. He only registers as a Democrat when the election comes around. So, of course they're trying to screw him. <laughs> they, would, they would be sitting there saying, why should we help this guy who 95% of the year isn't one of us? Why should we help this guy who's an independent? Who's only wearing the? Who's only waving the Democrat flag, so he can run for president? Fuck him! Why? Why should they help him? Of course they're trying to screw him. <laughs> Thing done, and that no one likes you. What's your response to that? On a good day, my wife likes me. So let's let's clear the air on that one. Clinton responded on Twitter, writing, "I thought everyone wanted my authentic, unvarnished views." So what is she up to and why now? Does her brand need a reboot in the wake of her defeat by Trump? A lot of people seek fame and fortune after leaving the White House. So... Like who? Who? Who has sought fame and fortune after losing an election? Seriously, name one. Name one. <laughs> who? Fame and fortune. Yeah, so after after Mitt Romney lost to Barack Obama, I don't know if you know this or not, he actually went on a world tour with the Rolling Stones. It was quite a sight to see in the audience in Venice, in, in the concert hall, when Mitt Romney would, you know, beat out, would bash out, I can't get no satisfaction alongside the band. It was quite the sight to behold. It was tremendous. It was something else, I tell you. When John McCain lost the election, he decided to become a triathlete. I don't know if you know this or not. He won the Hawaii, uh, the Hawaiian Ironman. He got his face on the cereal box. He's like, that's it. I'm, I'm seeking fame and fortune. When George Bush Sr. decided, when George Bush Sr. lost the election to Bill Clinton, he decided to become the world's most famous ventriloquist. Of course, he sought fame and fortune. They're just making shit up. They're making it up in order in order to make it okay for Hillary, right? 
Bob Bob Dole. <laughs> Is it Rocks Box in the chat? Fame and fortune. Fame and fortune? Well, Bob Dole was obviously a very enigmatic, magnetic kind of character. He was, People were drawn to Bob Dole, obviously. <laughs> He's a very charismatic guy. I'm Bob Dole. This is Bob Dole. <laughs> so they're constructing this false reality in order to make out like Hillary's just doing what everyone else has done. But Hillary's not doing what everyone else has done. She's doing the opposite of what everyone else has done. But in order to get away with it, they just say, yeah, everyone else has done it too. But they haven't. <laughs> just lying to you. What did she do? Well, her book, What Happened, sold less than half a million copies. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wanted to read the book. Nobody cared. <laughs> While Michelle Obama sold nearly 10 million. Then there's her tour with husband Bill, an evening with the Clintons. But not many people showed up. The New York Times called it curtains for the Clintons. <laughs> Look at that fucking crowd shot, huh? Barely packing them in over there. And according to Newsweek, Hillary's speaking fees have dropped significantly from an estimated 300,000 to as little as 25,000. <laughs> 25K! We could. This is a very small podcast with a very small audience. I think that we could raise $25,000 between us to get Hillary Clinton to speak at a John McAfee event. <laughs> We could get Hillary Clinton to be the keynote speaker at a rally for John McAfee. <laughs> for an extra 5G, we might even get her to mention dry fucked in the asshole. We might even get that. We might even get that out of her. Depends on what her, depends on what her agent agrees to. A Clinton spokesperson disputed those figures. Meanwhile, tickets to see Barack Obama in Toronto this week have sold out at $300 each. And the Obama's deal with Netflix earned them an Oscar nomination. You want to make a difference. You want to have an impact. So the Obamas get Netflix and Hillary gets Hulu. Oh, isn't that devastating? <laughs> but I got a Hulu deal. It's just as good, right? Right. Yeah, it's just as good. It's just the same. Pretty much the same thing, but, you know, not even close, but close enough, right? It's, just, it's good. That's pretty good, Hillary. Did you get that Netflix deal, honey? Oh, we're on Hulu, Bill. Hulu's better. Hulu's far better than Netflix. <laughs> okay, if you say so, sweetheart. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Barack Obama is that people are like, why hasn't he endorsed anyone yet? This, this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. But my opinion is, why would he? Right? If you think of, like, how divisive Hillary Clinton was, how divisive is Elizabeth Warren, how divisive is Bernie Sanders, how divisive these characters are within the Democrat Party. Like, I'm not talking about if you're a Republican, this, this doesn't concern you because you're divided from the Democrats already. I'm talking about within the Democrat Party. Bernie Sanders, Bernie people hate Warren people. Warren people hate Bernie people. Everybody hates Clinton people. Clinton people hate Bernie people, right? They all hate each other. The only unifying figure that the Democrat Party has had over the last, what, 20 years is Barack Obama. He's the only one that all of the Democrats still like. 
by and large. And when I say all, I'm talking like, you know, 90% of them. They're like, yeah, Barack's okay. But I hate Bernie. I hate Elizabeth. I hate Clinton. Da, 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 da. <clears throat> so why would he, remembering legacy, why would he endorse anybody at this point? He's only going to endorse the person who wins the nomination. That's it. Why take that risk? Why put your name to somebody who's a loser and cause further division, right? They're going to Barack Obama is going to wait to do to do his endorsement until the winner is is clear and then he's going to be wheeled out by the Democrats to say I'm Barack Obama, you love me, everyone get behind this candidate, come with me because he is literally the only unifying figure on the Democrat side that they have. That's it. He's the only one. So they're going to have to use him that way. If he comes out now and endorses somebody, it will only cause more division. And they can't they can't take that right now. So he's going to wait till there's a clear uh, leader and then he's going to endorse that person. I suspect anyway. Could be wrong, but that's what I think. Well, then you got to get in the arena. So we got to get in the, re- in the, in the arena. Big shot to star in a second act. Joining me now is Phil Elliott, who's been covering Clinton for years as a Washington correspondent, now for Time magazine. So He's been covering Clinton for years as a Washington correspondent and now for Time magazine. Yep, it looks like he wants to kill himself. So I believe it. Oh, Phil, this is so interesting. Here's a person who wanted to be president. Everybody was begging her to show her real self. Now she is, only when she has no chance of being president. Yeah, welcome to the paradox of Hillary Clinton. Uh, Oh, you can tell he's a fan, can't you? It's like the royal watchers, you know what I mean? The people that just, their their job is to watch the royal family, talk about the royal family, write books about the royal family, write articles about the royal family, even when there's nothing going on. Well, the queen queen today came out and she took a lovely little stroll around the gardens and she had the corgis and Joe, you know. And there have been a lot of rumours lately around the palace that the Queen is not so impressed with Meghan Markle, which is perhaps one of the reasons why they've decided to go to North America. (coughs) And everybody else who's not interested in the royals goes, (sighs) Yes, welcome to the strange paradox of Hillary Clinton. You can tell he's smitten. At she's finally doing what people have told her to do for 40 years, and she's getting flack for it. There, there really is a no-win proposition for Hillary Clinton. Good. <laughs> <laughs> she's finally being honest, and nobody likes her. What a surprise. <laughs> that had she done this in 2016, everyone would have been, go. oh, you're just manufacturing this persona. Here we go. She's always, <laughs> if only you'd done this in 2016, things might have been different, you know. The rewriting of history continues. Uh, we get too little of the candidates after they're no longer candidates, but had we gotten them in real time while they were candidates, we would have... Uh, D Live Dingus in the chat says, if I can see, what straight men would fanboy for Hillary for decades? Good question. Good question. I, I, you, you reminded me of something, though. I want to bring something up. Why not? It's it's the accidental show. We're not even supposed to be here, so fuck it. Who cares? I'm just chilling. I'm just having fun. Thanks for being with us on the Daily Boogie. A short video montage that I remember. 
Thank you for your patience. Looking for this video. Looks like it's been looks like it's been buried by YouTube, incidentally. Funny that it used to be the first thing that pops up when you typed it into the search box and now I'm looking and looking and looking and I just can't seem to find the video I'm looking for. Isn't that the strangest thing? Hmm. Very odd indeed. I guess it's probably just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. These things would never be done on purpose. They would they would never bury videos critical of the Clintons on YouTube. No, of course not. No, 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 no. Um, well, what do you know? I can't seem to find it. Well, that's very disappointing. See, this is why you need to do prep. This is why you can't do things on the fly all the time. Because when you're looking for a vid, it doesn't want to turn up. Let me try one more thing. Okay. Well, I found I found one interview. You've been following. <clears throat> Pardon me, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The late great, lifelong Democrat Christopher Hitchens, ladies and gentlemen, uh, discussing Hillary Clinton back in two thousand and eight. So I suspect either just before or just after the election of Barack Obama. Following the buzz on all this, anticipation continues to build as to whether President-elect Obama will select Senator Hillary Clinton, his nemesis of the campaign trail, to be Secretary of State. Although this possibility has been applauded by many, my next guest argues strenuously that she should most definitely not be the one to represent an Obama administration on the world stage. Join, joining, stage rather, joining me now, Vanity Fair columnist Christopher Hitchens. Welcome. Thanks for having me. We talk about the Obama brand, and a lot of this has been defined by this team of rivals concept that he can have his enemies close by, and what does that say about him? But it's kind of a theme of the program tonight as you look at Eric Holder, as you look at the possibility of Hillary Clinton, to ask the question, at what point does the brand... That team of rivals talking point that was around in 2008, uh, yeah, that turned out to be bullshit because when he had, um, you know, members of former members of communist revolutionary entities in, as part of his cabinet, it turned out he really believed them. <laughs> he was really friends with them. So in order to make that in order to make that palatable for the average citizen, they had to invent this story like, no, no, he surrounds himself with people he disagrees with. So he can get like all angles and stuff because he's a really open-minded guy. But, you know, 
through the benefit of hindsight, we know now that no, no, when he when he had the uh, the communist revolutionaries in his cabinet, it's because he really believed them. <laughs> it was because he was one of them. So you know, oh well, live and learn, I guess. Huh? McAfee, twenty twenty brand of the campaign trail, the Obama brand, get undermined with the selection, particularly of somebody like Hillary Clinton. Well, or yes, uh, phrasing it another way, how does um, the idea of change uh, hang with the idea of let's appoint all the friends of Mark Rich? Remember, we're just about to end. It's, a, it's the same conversation that was had in 2016, but just with different talk, with different names, really. To presidential pardon season in the Bush term. And I, by the way, thinking ahead a bit, I bet that isn't going to be pretty. I think a lot of people who would otherwise have been indicted for torture and illegality are probably going to uh, be told they can walk. But mm. to remind people at this point of the lowest stage of the Clinton administration, when... Remember, this is 2008. And this guy was a like a lifelong Democrat, at least when he left uh, England at a young age and studied and went over to the United States. He eventually became the editor of Vanity Fair. And I think, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure he ended up becoming an American citizen, by the way. He ended up becoming, uh, what's the word, naturalized. So. Uh, Eric Holder signed off at the Justice Department on the pardon of this fugitive, shall we call him financier? He also, it's, it's amazing too, such an eclectic guy. Uh, he was hated for a long time by the right uh, because he was an avowed socialist. But he also was a, he was a socialist, but he also wrote books and uh, essays and column after column after column defending free speech and free expression. And he wrote uh, a book about Thomas Paine, right? Um, so he he was like a, a great lover of the founding of the United States. He was a great lover of the founding fathers. And, you know, the principles that underpin the American Republic, you know, free expression and whatnot. But at the same time, he was kind of like this figure of hatred for people. But it was funny, like, I think towards the end of his life, he probably became more of a libertarian. I don't know if he ever admitted it because he used to slander libertarianism when he was younger and say it was just like it was basically just uh, endorsed selfishness and stuff like that. But I think he probably became more of a libertarian towards the end of his life because he did that thing. He was, you know, he was a lefty, he was a lefty, he was a lefty. And then he came out and defended George Bush. It, um, it unbelievably took the position of defending George Bush in the Iraq war when everybody else didn't. And then of course, all of the lefties hated his guts and all of the um, Christians hated him because he was an angry atheist. He wrote a book uh, about atheism which was basically, you know, just an attack on organized religion. But it wasn't just Christians. Like, he attacked all organized religions. Like, he, he used to go just as hard on Islam as he did on Christianity. So he wasn't picky when it came to attacking um, religious belief either. So he was, he was kind of like, at, at one point, at one, on, one, on one particular day of the week, he would be everybody's hero, and then on the next day, he would be everybody's villain. I think he just liked the conflict. He liked... He liked, you know, standing against what everyone else was saying. So really an eclectic guy. Uh, who'd also given a, a rather a large loan that didn't seem to have been repaid to one of Hillary Clinton's brothers, uh, who in turn, with the other brother, had gone for a, a walnut monopoly, or was it a hazelnut monopoly, in the Republic of Georgia, odd bits of the Caucasus involved in American foreign policy here, plus donations to the Clinton Library. It builds up and it goes on. Is this how, you, how the president-elect really wants to start? 
the, the question... See, when everybody else was sucking Barack Obama's dick in 2008 when he won the election, this guy, who was the editor of Vanity Fair, which is a Democrat magazine, this guy was probably one of the only people in 2008 who was actually pushing back. If, it, if there was some foreign policy experience or brilliance right. that Hillary Clinton had ever shown, maybe we overlook the fact that she and her husband have never met a foreign political donor they don't like and haven't taken from. <laughs> 12 years ago. 12 years ago. The Clintons have never met a foreign political donor they don't like or have taken donations from. Twelve years this conversation has been going on and it was Democrats talking about it. Twelve years ago. And now Hulu has the fucking audacity to present Hillary Clinton. Oh, she's hated by the Trump supporters. Oh, she's everybody's lovable grandma. Everybody loves Hillary. She was robbed of the election. It wasn't her fault, you know. Her and Bill met when they were studying law. They caught each other's eyes. It was so romantic. You know how teen love just blossoms. It's so wholesome. It's so nice. It's so fucking wonderful. Bullshit. My ass. 12 years ago, you had Democrats on MSNBC saying this this woman is a corrupt piece of shit and nobody cared. Nobody listened. Nobody gave a fuck. From the Riyadi family in Indonesia to numerous Chinese uh, donors who... China. China. It's, everyone acts like it's a fucking new thing that the, the Clinton conversation is just new. Like, all of a sudden, everybody only hates Hillary Clinton because of Donald Trump. If you are somebody who believes that everybody only hates Hillary Clinton because of Donald Trump, you are a fucking moron. You're, you're, either, you're either stupid or you pretend reality away. You wish reality away. Or you were born like in the last five years, then you have a legitimate excuse. Then, then I'm not going to hold it against you. You know, you're adorable. You're, you baby want a little bottle? Yes. Okay. Good. Fine. But those are the only those are the only two reasons why you would think that. Who left the, this country rather than show up for the hearings on it? But I don't know of any such expertise on her part, except her pretense to have been under fire in Bosnia when she had not. <laughs> He's brilliant. <laughs> <clears throat> remember in 2016, people were doing the Bosnia story when she, well, remember when she got shot at at Bosnia, uh, in Bosnia? Remember? 2016? Oh, she lied about getting shot at in Bosnia. Yes, we know. We already knew. <laughs> Nobody was listening. Nobody was paying attention when it mattered. We only, we only care years later. We only care years after the event. Nobody cares when it matters. Nobody cared about the transgender bathroom discussion 10 years ago, but now everybody cares. Nobody cared about the Hillary Clinton corruption discussion 10, uh, 12 years ago, but now everybody cares when it's far too late. She was already Secretary of State. She was already in the Capitol. She was already with her hands on the, on the levers of power. Nobody cared before it happened. 
this country rather than show up for the hearings on it. But I don't know of any such expertise on her part, except her pretense to have been under fire in Bosnia when she had not. <laughs> what worries you about not just... <laughs> the, the, the MSNBC guy, even back then you could tell, the MSNBC guy just isn't indulging it. Like he's not agreeing or anything. He's just like, okay, moving on to the next question. <laughs> and okay, so if I could just change the discussion a little bit. But Hitchens was such a rhetorical master. He'd just keep dragging them back, dragging them back to the point. Senator Clinton, but the former president having this kind of access to the world stage. It's not that they're going to have their own uh, portfolio. They're still going to be representing the President of the United States, who is hugely as popular as the Clintons are. Monica's in the chat. Monica said she cared. I believe you, Monica. A few people did. A few people did here and there. Let's be honest. But, like, you know, again, let's be honest. Most people didn't. Hey, Barack Obama. Yay. I was someone that was like, yay, I, I reckon this guy's going to be good. Why not give him a chance? Let's see how he goes. Yeah. Shit happens. I'm not making that mistake again. McAfee 2020. <laughs> I'm not making that mistake again. John McAfee 2020. McAfee America great again. On the world stage, Barack Obama is the it guy right now, arguably, sure. no? Surely, and this is a couple who, it makes me wonder about whether there's a masochistic tendency in the president-elect. This is the couple who openly played the race card on him throughout the election. Ah, oh, he was good, wasn't he? <laughs> if we overlook that, just look at today's and yesterday's New York Times at the list of people with whom the, the former President Clinton has acquired a, a, a tremendous burden of debt. Of These are people who pay him all the time, from, from odd parts of the Middle East to... And, and again... Corporate media has the audacity to come out now, like these days, and say that any conversation about alleged corruption involving the Clinton Foundation is just pure right-wing conspiracy theory. Right-wing conspiracy theory. Um, I'm, I'm sure I have an old laptop in my house somewhere which has archived news stories from, like, 05, 06, 07, talking about this cunt, Clinton. Talking about the alleged corrupt, the right-wing conspiracy theory. And you know where it comes from? Do you, do you know the sources for these articles? New York Times, Washington Post, CN fucking N. It's not coming from like Breitbart. It's not coming from, you know, Freedom Outposts. It's not coming from what people would call right-wing fake news. It's not coming from any of those sources. Back then, everybody knew. Everybody knew. But now there's like, ah, oh, it's just a right-wing conspiracy theory. And, and, you know, people that call themselves Democrats now, they repeat it. They say the same thing. Yes, it's right-wing conspiracy theory. They're fucking goldfish. There's strange donors all over the place. My colleague at Vanity Fair, Todd Purdom, anyone can Google this, just, just put in Purdom Clinton. Uh, see if you can bear to read the sort of friendships that a former president is having. It's undignified to think about it. And what's the impact on a Secretary of State Clinton because of those associations? Can they not put up a firewall between them? Well, as I say, if, if it hadn't involved her too, the, the campaign finance scandals, we're not talking about the ongoing stuff, M Mr. Clinton's huge uh, speaking fees in, in the Gulf and elsewhere, talking about 
previous convictions um, in the uh, Clinton fundraising scandal, if it wasn't for the fact that she couldn't refuse her brothers everything, or sorry, anything, couldn't refuse them anything, anything they wanted they seemed to have got, including some kind of deal for Mark Rich, all of this might be forgivable, they might, or it might assume a different proportion, uh, David, if it wasn't for the fact that this woman doesn't really have any foreign policy experience worth mentioning. And what, and, what and, is, and what is memorable about it is pretty bad. Uh, we all remember, <laughs> or we should, that uh, when Les Aspin uh, had then got the Clinton administration very nearly to do something about the horror in the Balkans that belatedly the Clinton administration did decide to stop, Clinton Gordon. Uh, Monica's asking, can we still Google that and find it today? You know what? Let's do it. What was the name? Does anybody remember the guy's name? We'll go back and see if we can catch his name. I'll, I'll put that into Google now and see if Google still works like Google worked. I doubt it. I doubt Google still works in 2020 like it did in 2008. You know what I mean? Back then, Google was just a search engine. Back then, I think Google and Yahoo were like neck and neck, weren't they? <laughs> People still had Netscape. <laughs> Napster was still a thing. Oh, the fuck. Good old days. Anything they wanted, they seem to have got, including some kind of deal for Mark Rich. Right, we'll, do it. we'll do it might live be on forgivable. They might, or it might assume a different proportion, uh, David, if it wasn't for the fact that it involved her too, the, the campaign. Uh, see if you can bear to read the sort of French okay. of debt. Of These are people who pay him all the time, from, from odd parts of the Middle East to strange donors all over the place. My colleague at Vanity Fair, Todd Purdom, Anyone Purdom. can Google this. Just just put in Purdom Clinton. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let me switch screens here. Okay. <clears throat> so my search engine is Google. This is just the brave, like, landing page. So Purdom, I'm going to assume P-E-R-D-U-M, Purdom Clinton. Hey. Th there it is. 2008. The, f the comeback ID. Some point to Clinton's medical traumas. Others blame sheer sh uh, selfishness. Todd Purdom. All right, let's have a look. Huh? It it's written on June the 4th, 2008. It was a wedding straight out of Sex and the City. No, I'm not going to subscribe. It was a wedding straight out of Sex in the City, a rehearsal dinner looking out over the Eiffel Tower from the Trocadero, a garden ceremony and dancing reception in the Grand Chateau outside Paris. By the way, uh, Australians who are familiar with a comedian named The Twelfth Man, every time, if you know The Twelfth Man, you'll know what I feel. Every time I read the word chateau, I laugh on the inside because he invented a wine label uh, a wine label that was invented by a man, a fictional man called Philippe Verdeflore. Philippe Verdeflore invented uh, a wine label and it's Chateau Verdeflore. <laughs> so now every time I see the word Chateau, I think Chateau Verdeflore. Philippe Verdeflore. <laughs> Sorry. Dumb trivia. <clears throat> All right, let's have a look here. <clears throat> But among the not-so-small cadre of Clinton friends and former aides, concerns about the company the boss kept is persistent, palpable, and pained. No former president of the United States has ever travelled with such a fast crowd, and most 61-year-old American men of Clinton's generation don't either. 
I just think those guys are radioactive. One former aide to Clinton who is still in occasional affectionate touch with him told me recently, referring to Burkle and to a lesser extent Bing, I stay far away from them. Another former aide trusted by Clinton for his good judgment said on the... Uh, on the sort of money, women and all that stuff, I'm the bad guy. All this stuff is kept away from me. Whatever they're doing, they definitely view me as somebody you cannot confide in. A longtime Clinton watcher who has ties to the former president since his first campaign for governor of Arkansas said of Clinton's sometimes questionable associations, I don't know what to make of any of that if it's a voyeuristic experience or if he's participating in it. What could that possibly be alluding to? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Follow Q says, I don't do Google search anymore. It's total shit. I do Google search because I'm looking for shitty articles to make fun of on my show. So that's why I, I use Google for that stuff. And then if I want to find like legitimate data, then I'll go to one of the other search engines. But I know if I put something like Trump racist in Google, then I'll get a whole I'll get a whole page worth of nonsense. So that's why I use it still. Just trying to read ahead. A cannabis narcissism. Uh, narcissism. Narcissism. The butt boy. Soon enough, Clinton was busy with plans for his library and for the foundation that would not only build it, but would undertake the philanthropic and policy projects around the world with paid speeches at 150000 to 250000 apiece and with the writing of what would become his best-selling memoir, My Life, published in 2004. Deeply in debt with Whitewater and impeachment-related legal bills, he set about earning an income that would support a senator, as he put it. He more than succeeded. This spring, when the Clintons, under intense pressure from Barack Obama and the news media, at last released their income tax returns. So there's a nice little fun historical tidbit for you. Hillary Clinton didn't want to release her tax returns. For the years since they left the White House, the total haul amounted to a staggering $109 million. Included in that total, besides Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton's Senate salary and Bill Clinton's presidential pension, were $10 million in book income for Hillary and $29 million for Bill, along with $51 million, $51 million in speaking fees for the former president. He earned $51 million on speaking tours. Give me a break. Come on, man. <laughs> The command center for Bill Clinton, Inc. is the former president's penthouse office on 125th Street in Harlem, and the go-to guy in the operation is a figure barely known to the public but a center of a controversy in Clinton world, Doug Band. Band, 35, joined the White House as an intern in the council's office in 1995, and by the end of the administration was the president's personal aide or butt boy. The person responsible for making sure the president wakes up on time in the morning and stays on schedule during the day and for peering around the corner of the president's uh, of the president's existence 24-7 at home and on the road uh, to make sure he has everything he needs, lunch, uh, golf clubs, handy bathroom, blah, 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 blah. Classic Clinton vacuum. It's a long piece. It's a long piece. So, you know, I'll put this in the show notes just because we touched on it. I'll make sure it's in the show notes. 
51 million. It was legal, I'm sure, says, says Flo Plummer. Of course, it was course. There was nothing wrong with it. So I'll put this link in the show notes uh, on the Podbean website if anyone wants to have a look for themselves. Uh, we better we better touch on China going a little bit over time tonight. Thank you for your patience. You are on the Daily Boogie. I didn't even intend to do a show today, so, you know, we're kind of just winging it a bit. This is fun. Uh, let's talk about the virus, shall we? The coronavirus vigilantes. <laughs> Chinese villagers dig up roads and arm themselves with spears to prevent Wuhan residents from escaping into their communities. Yeah. So, like we showed yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, like we showed last night, the Australian government is busy handing out pamphlets at airports to people who are potentially infected with a potentially deadly virus. That's as far as we're going. Handing people a pamphlet when they get off a plane when they land in Sydney. Uh, over in China, the surrounding... The surrounding towns to Wuhan are now now have vigilante forces who are sticking spears in people's faces, asking where they're from. Huh? This I, I know this makes me feel more comfortable. I know that this is <laughs> no, nothing says we've got this under control like vigilante death squads. You know what I mean? <laughs> Villages around the epicenter of China's coronavirus outbreak are flocking to prevent residents from the largely quarantined Hubei province from fleeing into their land, it has emerged. Videos and pictures circulating on social media purport to show frightened locals living near the border of Hubei resorting to various methods, including destroying roads, using weapon-wielding guards in a desperate uh, bid to stop people escaping from the other side. Six villages in the province of Hebei, 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 whatever, Hebejibi, which does not adjoin virus-ravaged Hubei, even started to build brick walls to barricade themselves and stop outsiders. It sounds like a zombie fucking apocalypse. They are, they are building walls to stop the infected people getting into their towns, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond, Y Censored. They are building walls to stop infected individuals entering their town. What are we doing in the West? In Australia, I'll speak for Australia, we are handing infected people pamphlets when they get off planes. Oh, did you notice anybody who had a sneeze or a cough or was drowning in their own blood on the flight over here? If you did, please call this number. And then we give them a hotline number, which is only open between the hours of nine and five. <laughs> and of course, of course, if you suggest something radical, something drastic, something such as, I don't know, quarantining the fucking country of people, products and produce until we understand what the hell this is and how to combat it and what the hell is going on. If you suggest something like that, guess what? You're a racist. You're just another racist out there. You know what? I don't think we should be taking more people from this part of China, which apparently is infected with a deadly virus. I don't think we should uh, be flying these people all around the world. Shut up, you Nazi. Shut up, you racist. <laughs> but the people living in the towns that surround this town, why they're just digging up the roads, building brick walls and arming the and manning the walls with spears, homemade spears. <laughs> 
to stop people getting in. <laughs> it's fucking unbelievable. Like I said yesterday, it's about the cash. It's about the money. If this was some third world country, they would have a fumigation tent over the entire country by now. There would be no planes going in. There would be no planes going out. There would be no products coming out. There would be no products going in. The, the rest of the world, the UN, the, the WHO, the G20 countries would have all got together within the first 72 hours and said, there is a potential for an epidemic scale infection here. We need to quarantine this country. The only reason that they're not doing it, ladies and gentlemen, the only reason that they're not taking that kind of quote unquote drastic step is because it's China. And to do that to China would cause an economic global meltdown. And nobody wants to be responsible for that. So much better to put your own citizens at risk than to have a potentially damaging news cycle where interest rates may have to go up or things cost a little more or the trade uh, deficit takes a little bit of a hit. Much better to do it to have just a few people die. If you missed the show yesterday, we spent an hour on this topic going into it analyzing the reporting, talking about what I was just talking about. Uh, check out the show yesterday. It's called Turn Your Head and Cough. You can get it in podcast or on the video. Uh, well, let's see what's happening here. Let's see. Let's check out the vigil. I, you know, to be fair, I do have a soft spot for vigilantism. I'm not going to lie. It's not my fault. Hollywood has made vigilantes look so cool <laughs> over the last, <clears throat> you know, Ever since Steve McQueen, they've been making vigilantes look like the cool guys. So, of course, I love vigilantes. Jeez. Gee, I don't know. A, a voiceover would be handy. A translation would be handy, wouldn't it? Oh, well. Yeah, that's that's very informative. Thank you so much for that. What a great video! Just just a just a million Asian people running around on fast forward with a voiceover. What what the hell am I getting out of this? I saw I saw construction work happening. Okay, from this distance, they kind of look like Mexicans. I get it. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> here's some pictures. People digging up road. Look at this chap. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm feeling very comfortable about this whole virus conspiracy theory that's taking place. Hmm. Have a look at this guy. He's just guarding his street from the infected zombies. Nothing to worry about. Uh, here's a guy with a scoped rifle. Uh, it's obviously a Chinese lemonade stand. You see, don't let's not let's not fall into fake news. That's a Chinese lemonade stand that's happening here. Yeah, I just likes to carry a gun just in case those small children don't want to pay their full, you know, their full fee for their cup of lemonade. Uh, people on patrol. Okay. It's all looking very good. So <laughs> let's have a look at this video. Um, this was sent through by Lucifer Sam. He sent this to me on Twitter with no comment, by the way. Uh, me and Sam have been talking about this the last couple of days, just bouncing ideas back and forward like, you know, theories. <clears throat> uh, we're, we're, 
we're kind of on the same page when it comes to this stuff that the um the response is inadequate. And you know, a lot of people like to bash Lucifer Sam and stuff. Yeah, I've spoken to the guy. I think he's a great guy. Uh, I think he's a very smart guy. Uh, if you knew what he did for a living, you'd agree that he's a very smart guy. Uh, he he de- he doesn't tell anybody though, and I'm not going to tell you either. Um, but highly intelligent. So people like to bash him, but you'd be amazed the amount of shit that this guy gets. Yes, he's a Democrat, but he's a Democrat. He's a former football player who has an American flag, drives a truck, and loves guns. Okay. So if you if people I find this so often too in the even in the Australian context a lot of the right left um division is manufactured between people I've always tried to stress on this show that it's not me the voter versus you the voter it's us the voters versus them the politicians that's the equation You know it was only a few years ago that everybody agreed that there's a uniparty that the difference between the right and the left at the top of the tree is negligible. And the real discussion is we, the voters, want things and the politicians don't let us have them. Or we, the voters, vote for something and the politicians give us something else. That's the conversation, right? That's, that's always been the conversation for me. It's us, the voters, versus them, the politicians. That's the fight. When you, a lot of people, when you talk to them, even though they're on the other side of the political aisle, if you genuinely approach conversation with humility and if you genuinely approach conversation in such a way as, you know, what do we agree on? You'll probably find a lot of the time that you agree on more things than you disagree on because you're still countrymen, right? You're still part of the same group, essentially, even though modern media and the education system and cultural forces are all trying their absolute best to rip you apart, to rip you apart from those kinds of personal relationships that you can have with somebody when you disagree on various political topics, but you agree on other, say, cultural or social topics, right? So I find this in Australia as well. I know people who vote for the left in Australia who are former rugby union players who wave the flag, who sing the anthem, and they say, like, get the fuck out of my country. Red, like rednecky kind of guys, you would call them. Beer-drinking Christian nationalists who vote for the left. But they do so for other reasons. They do so for, like, economic reasons, for example. You know, they, they might have grown up in a poor community. They might have grown up in a poor working-class suburb. So they think that the Labor Party is going to give them more welfare than the other party will. But, they, you know, they might be workers. They might be union guys. And historically, traditionally, that party has represented union interests. I argue that it doesn't anymore and it hasn't done for at least the last 30 years. But often when I raise that point with one of my, you know, union left voting friends who waves a flag, sings the anthem, is a Christian and a nationalist who loves guns... Uh, I'll get told that I'm just being a shill for big business, right? So you can see where the where the real divides come in. But it's it's amazing how often you'll agree with people. So a lot of people like to give Sam shit, but Sam, to his credit, like I said, flag waving, uh, American guy drives a truck, football, loves football, loves his guns, and he he and I on this particular topic agree that. 
if it was any other country, it would have been quarantined by now. And you can find Sam on various uh, Twitter threads arguing with Democrats who are calling him a racist because he suggests that China should be quarantined now. Oh, you're just another racist. You're you're a racist Nazi right winger. He laughs at them. <laughs> we laugh. These people are nuts. These people are mad, right? So he sent me this video. Let's have a look. I, I watched like the first 30 seconds of it. We're running over time tonight. You're on the Daily Boogie. Uh, let's, let's see what's going on here. We should praise the Chinese government's swift action during this crisis. No, we shouldn't. When China says everything's being taken care of and to not panic, that is precisely the time that people need to take action into their own hands. We'd be foolish to believe the infection figures that come out of the state media from China. The cases are now in the high thousands, which means that this disease, in fact, this corona... <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Um, Western, Western news agencies are now quoting Chinese government figures. Yes, because communists are always very open and honest about their own forecasts and figures. Communists are always very open and honest about, you know, their financial standing, for example. <laughs> right? I mean, if you can't trust a communist to tell you the truth, who can you trust? If you can't trust a totalitarian communist state to tell you honestly what's happening, then who can you trust? It's like the old 1984 thing, right? We have we have made uh, you know 500,000 extra pairs of boots. What a tremendous production cycle that we've gone through. Yeah, like towards the end of the Soviet Union, just before the Soviet Union fell, they were still putting out news reports saying production has never been better. Working conditions have never been better. The economy has never been stronger. While people while people are literally listening to the radio reports, waiting in line for bread. <laughs> Like, nobody's got a job. Nobody had any money. The economy's never been better. You can find reports from various um, financial agencies, right? Four, five, six, seven years ago. Remember when everybody was talking about, oh, China's booming econ uh, economic growth in China. Remember the rampant red-hot growth that they were having? 20% every year. 20%. It's going off its tits over there in China. Everybody needs to buy into China right now. You can find legitimate um, financial reports from these financial institutions that say, nah, it's all made up. It's pretty much all a lie. They're, they're, you know, they're enhancing their figures by four or five times in some cases in order to get more investment because it's essentially like a world trade Ponzi scheme. They need more investment. They need more investment. They need more investment to keep paying the dividends. But, you know, the economy is not growing at 20% a year. That's garbage. Because if it was, then everybody else would be in a different position. Like, and you can read, you know, 200-page essays on this stuff if you're boring, if you want to. It's all out there. But now, you know, like I said, five years ago, everybody knew this. But now, oh, what? The Chinese government came out and said that, you know, this is the situation. I guess we have to believe them. I guess they only ever tell the truth. They're the good guys, right? Just a quick reminder, uh, all of the media in China is controlled by the government. All of the media in China is state-run media. All of it. Local paper, 
state-based, province-based, national, international, doesn't matter. It's all state-run. Oh, okay. Well, I've, I have this report out of China. I guess they're telling the truth. You're adorable. <laughs> You're so cute. Coronavirus is more transmissible than SARS. What's even more worrying is that the death rate from this virus seems to be about double the recovery rate, which means that we don't know the actual percentage or odds of fatality from the coronavirus. And we've been seeing That's videos spreading like wildfire around social media that shed a bit more of a realistic light on how bad it actually is. Ah, good. People I've been in constant contact with people in Wuhan. People, people just dropping, people just dropping on the street. Right. Okay. I wonder why people in neighboring villages are now, you know, putting together vigilante squads to guard their village. I wonder why people in neighboring villages are building brick barricades to stop infected people from Wuhan entering their towns and guarding it with spears, homemade spears. I guess it's all just fake news. Did you see the video? Did you see the video come out last week? And it was Chinese people in China, right? And they're running around and there was a translation at the bottom of the screen. God, I wish I had saved it because I can't find it now. I, I was on the floor in tears laughing. They had people, very healthy looking young Chinese people in front of the camera. And they were saying, our government is taking care of us. We trust the government with everything. Nothing is ever going to go wrong because we love the government. And then like big smiles and thumbs up at the camera. <laughs> It was like, and it was titled something like, uh, like in comical fashion, it was something like everyday normal non-professional, non, everyday normal non-acting Chinese people talk about the, the, the virus. <laughs> Average everyday citizens talk about virus. We love government so much. Government is doing everything they can. The government will protect us. <laughs> Every everyday normal non-paid citizen makes a random announcement to a camera. Wuhan, <laughs> as well as people in affected areas, where the government has declared that there are no infected individuals. As I stated in my previous video, the situation is, in fact, much worse than is being reported. Let's look at a timeline of what happened to see how slowly it's been dealt with and how the information was actively suppressed. On December 8th, the first case was reported in Wuhan. On December 30th, the central government sent a team of experts to Wuhan to experts. investigate. On January 1st, the Chinese government arrested eight people for talking about the virus. <laughs> the first priority was for the government to crack down on rumors. For talking about the virus. <laughs> Remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you are in a Western nation... Uh, don't you dare talk about things like quarantining a potentially deadly virus. Don't you dare talk about quarantining a section of the Earth's population, at least until said potentially deadly virus can be brought under control, because you would be a racist at that point. I mean, you're practically locking people in concentration camps. So don't you dare even mention that. Remember, that's racism, okay? But the rumors that were being punished were the fact that the virus existed and was a threat to actual people. Not the rumors telling people that they would be cured if they drank garlic water. <laughs> on January 11th, the first death was reported. On January 14th, 
media who reported on the cases in Wuhan were arrested by police. And oh, that's reassuring, isn't it? Isn't that reassuring? Seems like one of seems like one of the media employees of the state uh, overstepped their bounds and thought that they should report on something without having it cleared. When are these journalists going to learn their role? Had their phones and cameras searched for any information regarding the disease. On January 18th, the Wuhan government held a 100,000 person banquet where people all ate from the same dishes. <laughs> now smile for the camera. <laughs> Three miles from where the virus was confirmed to have come from. This is two days after 49 cases had been made public. So again, like, so somebody reported on the death, this strange virus caused uh, death in this particular town. They arrested the journalists who reported on the death and then threw a banquet for, what was it, 100,000 people? Don't worry, there's nothing, there's no problem, there's nothing going on here. Look at all of these people eating out of the same bowls. Of course there's nothing going on. Your government loves you. On January 19th, Chinese officials stated that the disease wasn't very infectious and that there was nothing to worry about. Hmm. On January 21st, Good. the government held a Chinese New Year celebration where multiple performers fell ill, but the state media regarded them as having great spirit because they didn't stop their performance. <laughs> On January 22nd, the government asked people in Wuhan to wear masks. However, the rules for mask wearing have just now become an official rule. They have to enforce it through fines because the populace has to be coerced to follow the rules due to lack of education. On January 23rd, the city was quarantined and no one was allowed to leave. However, Five million people had already left. Good. On the same Five day, million. Wuhan airport had closed, but before this, it allowed people to board if they had no symptoms like fever. It's important to know that scientists have been saying that people may be able to spread the disease without showing symptoms, yet people were still allowed to board and leave Wuhan. On January 27th, the mayor of Wuhan said he would step down. Now the central government is being lauded as the only government in the world that could have dealt with this so swiftly. <laughs> The mayor of Wuhan has been chastised, hung out to dry, and is the sole responsible thing. Of course, he brought shame upon the party, right? He brought shame upon China. So they need to make an example out of this guy. Gear for this cover-up. And the rest of China was now allowed to hate him. He was publicly shamed and is quoted in saying that he has to accept full responsibility for what happened. Yeah, or else. Or, or your family will wake up in, with their kidneys missing or something. That's the thing. The government didn't care about the people or the spread of the virus. But I'm not just talking about the Wuhan or Hubei government. I'm talking about the central government. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I won't play the whole clip. Um, this will be in the show notes as well. If you check on the Podbean website after the show's done, uh, I'll upload the podcast, click on the link, and it'll take you to where all the links are. Uh, so I've got this one from Channel 4 News in England. I haven't watched it yet. It's called Inside Wuhan, Daily Life in China's Coronavirus Quarantine Zone. So I just want to contrast, I want to see how closely does the British quote-unquote free press align with, say, I don't know, the presentation being offered by the communist state of China. I haven't seen it yet. They could surprise us either way. <laughs> so let's have a look. My name is Ben Kavanagh. Hi, Ben. I live in Wuhan, and today I'm going to go to the shop. Okay. One mask, another mask. Apparently this mask actually doesn't do 
much, but two masks is always better than one. Can't forget the stuff. most important thing and the silliest thing. Wow. Got a big backpack. Gloves. Got a big suitcase. Uh, Gonna put some gloves on, brother? I wouldn't touch anything. Got my gloves. There you I'll go. wash these when I get home. There you go. Just to be safe from all the stuff I'll touch on my way. Mm-hmm. He's a smart oh, cookie. It's pretty hot. Pretty warm. I don't expect to run into anyone today. I'm not going to touch them with my hand. I'm just going to knee it. It's open. Another beautiful day in quarantine, Wuhan. This is a city with a population bigger than London. This is usually a very busy street. All these shops would be open. Lots of noise. Surrounded by apartments. Kimmy in the chat. Well, at least he'll beat the facial recognition cameras. <laughs> but how do you think this video got out of China? <laughs> Like, am I too cynical? I'm, I'm, I'm cynical to the point now that this video only gets out of China if it's allowed to get out. You know what I mean? I could be wrong. Maybe he just like uploaded it or whatever. But the, 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 there are laws in China where um, like video uploads and live streams and whatnot have to be monitored by an actual physical person. Like nothing, like, you know, we can upload whatever we want and then retroactively people will take it down if it violates some rule. In China, that's not the case. In China, everything that gets uploaded and streamed to the internet must be monitored in real time by a real human being. That's the law over there. So they can nip them in the bud, so they can get them before they actually go out. And yet, there's no one on the street. It's so quiet. Shop. This intersection is usually one of the busiest intersections. That's why it's got the walkway above it. And as you can see, there's, I mean, there's a couple cars, but other than that, fairly empty. There is my friend. Gee, it's depressing, isn't it? Looks like a ghost town to me. We are going to the shop. How many people live in London? What is it, 20 million people? He said this city is bigger than London. With. Don't need to look left and right. There's no cars. Looks like a fucking ghost town. <laughs> Winning TV. Follow Winning TV. Winning TV in the chat says, and the video and the videographer has since been arrested and diagnosed with corona according to Chinese state TV. Yes, he was a spy. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm well. Are you well? I'm well. Got your suitcase? Got my suitcase. It's very large. Let's go. This is Shangang Lu, Hong Kong Road. Usually a very, very busy road, but obviously not today. Not for the foreseeable future. Great to bike, though. Look at that. 
you you can hear the wind whistling in between the buildings. It's so quiet. No car engines running, no people honking in traffic, no general chatter of people walking around on the street, nothing. Just just this guy and one person riding past on a push bike. And no buses, no nothing. Very few people as well. Cristiano Ronaldo still makes an appearance at the bus stop, though. There is a hospital. Not one of the big ones, just a standard hospital. There's loads around Wuhan, but we're pretty sure it's closed right now. Oh, good. Good time Good time for the hospital to be closed. <laughs> we, we can't have sick people coming in. We only want the hospital open when everyone's healthy. <laughs> there are still cars, but cars like this, we think they're bringing people to work. The punishment for driving is a fine and potentially losing your license. So these people must have good reason to be driving. And they are all going in there. Maybe the hospital opens later. Little puppy. He's so cute, but we're not going to risk going near him. <laughs> wow, that was cute. What is this? Eight lanes? Ten lanes? Ten lane road. No Look at that. Look at that. We have arrived. Car four. Can stock up for weeks and then not leave again. Gloves, oh. ripped, whatever. Yeah. 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 It looks like end of the world stuff, doesn't it? It looks like the end of the fucking world in there. Yeah, I'm half expecting the supermarket to be empty and people running around with baseball bats. <laughs> Unbelievable. Both got the same idea. Bye-bye. Meat produce. You've had a miss for a while. Frozen stuff. This is the busiest I've ever seen the queues. And we are going to be a while. Self-check. Got to get your special K. Got to look after that figure. Cat only. When you're holed up in your shitty apartment in Wuhan uh, due to a the outbreak of a potentially deadly virus, ladies and gentlemen, that's no excuse to eat unhealthily. And special K is packed with all of the vitamins and nutri nutrients that you need to keep a healthy figure. 
Backpack's going in. I saw a can of Heineken in there. Good lad. Backpack <laughs> extra. We have finished. So they're taking their groceries in suitcases? In the shop. Heavy suitcase. Uh, now back out to a deserted city. seen this road without cars. It's traffic. One of the 6,000 taxis deployed. Would rather not get in it though. Yeah, I'd, I'd be walking too. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know whose ass has been in that cab. That's pretty much it. Um, very, very bizarre, very surreal atmosphere, isn't it? Uh, reminder, this guy said that this city is bigger than London, and London, I think, is around 20 million people. So that's, we're not talking like a, like a little backwater country town here. We're not talking about like a little you know, like a little suburb somewhere. Like we're not talking about <clears throat> the kind of town that was in um, True Detective, for example. Like, no, no, this is in any other in any other country. This would be a sprawling metropolis, like a, a city bigger than London. There aren't many cities bigger than London. London's pretty fucking big. I've been to London. <laughs> it's fucking big. So that is uh, definitely. Horrifying, <laughs> and of course, you know I've re I read something earlier today that the White House is considering quarantining people coming out of China. Oh, good, good, good. At least, at least you've at least you're doing more than what our government's doing. Uh, link to that video. Let me grab a link. Let me see if I can put it in the restream chat for you. But hi, how are you? Yeah. My name. But again, it's like, oh, we're mon don't worry, we're monitoring the situation, aren't we? Right? <laughs> we're just monitoring the situation. No need to panic. <laughs> don't don't you do anything out of the ordinary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Don't you dare. I'll tell you what, I'll tweet the link out for that specific video after the show, just because it's I can't put it in the restream chat for some reason. So, you know. The White House came out and said, well, we're considering quarantining people. Uh, many people, you know, who have been branded racist over the last decade or two would have said that you probably should have stopped taking um, plane loads of Chinese people <laughs> 20 years ago, but whatever. Now there's a re now at least there's a reason, right? Um, so they're, you know, they're considering quarantining people coming out of the infected area, which I would think would be the most logical basic um, thing to do on the show yesterday. We played the clip of the, the chief medical officer in Hong Kong saying that, you know, if we want to stop this, then that is the absolute thing. That is the best thing that can be done is to quarantine the area. Right. Um, they're just talking about it though. Maybe considering we're just monitoring the situation. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll quarantine the area. Who knows? We'll see what happens. 
because as you know, uh, as soon as the quarantine goes up, uh, what happens? <laughs> Starts costing governments money, and governments don't like governments don't like to have that kind of expenditure hanging. They don't like that kind of deficit to hang around their neck if they can avoid it. And I mean, if only you know, if a, if a couple of handfuls of you know innocent, if a couple of handfuls of people die, well, we've got to look after the greater good, right? Got to do the right thing. So we can't quarantine the place. That would be that would be drastic. That would be extreme. That would be racist. That would be wrong. No, we've got to have business as usual. Planes flying in and out, products going in and out, produce going in and out. And if you're um, in Australia, if you're in Sydney, which has the highest population of uh, Chinese nationals in Australia. Um, many of whom are attending Australian universities. Um, and if you're someone like me who actually works in Chinatown, <laughs> well, to put it mildly, when you see um, government representatives going on TV saying, don't worry, we're handing out pamphlets at the airport for people who are flying into Sydney from China. We're handing out pamphlets to, to tell people that they should probably wash their hands and if they feel like they may be coming down with something, if they could please ring this hotline, which only operates between the hours of nine and five, Monday to Friday, um, you know, that, of course, puts me at ease. That puts my mind at ease, of course. I mean, you know, wouldn't want to be called a racist or anything. So I guess we've got to do what we've got to do. Uh, I, think, I think we'll wrap it up there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Thank you so much for joining us on this impromptu edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Uh, I may be back tomorrow night in some way, shape or form, but I'm not going to say it just in case it doesn't happen because as soon as you say it, these things tend to not happen. Like I said, I was going to have an appointment today and it didn't happen. So uh, I may be back. If not, I'll be back Sunday night with the flying Hawaiian James R on Trust and Verify. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS at ChrisMC44. Uh, at Why Censored, at UK Neil, at Mr. America, the Beard of Truth, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for the diamond, Why Censored. Thank you, Kimmy. Thank you so much to everybody who contributed tonight on DLive. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, did I do that already? If you'd like to become a supporter of the show, patreon.com slash boogie bumper. Uh, become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to infect me with the virus, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. I'm opening the chest right now. <laughs>